0: Your financial choices may discuss
1: various financial related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies.
0: Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member
1: FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized
0: or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP,
1: or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. And you can listen online each and every week at WDIY.org or on the WDIY Listening app, as well as many streaming services for podcasts of prior shows. Today is October 11th 2023. The markets were up today with the Dow closing at 33,804, the NASDAQ at 13,659, and the S&P at 4,376. As Shandi mentioned, this is our 2023 fall membership drive. We certainly welcome existing members to uh, renew their membership and or add an extra gift, as well as inviting new members to certainly consider uh, joining those fellow sophisticated listeners here at WDIY. You can make your pledge and or um, renewal or additional gift at 610-758-8810. We're also taking questions this evening. We are live and you can call that same number 610-758-8810. And you can also give securely online at wdiy.org. Our topic this evening is your financial planning fingerprint. We are live, as I mentioned, we'll take your questions. Uh, Seamus is in the studio. We'll answer your calls, take your information. We ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. Um, We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic. I'll do my best to answer them. The number again is 610-758-8810- And in fact, it might be hard to speak live tonight because we do want to keep that phone number open for uh, donations as well. But certainly uh, feel free to call in with questions again at 610-758-8810. Seamus can write the question down and bring it in to me. Email is also available through yourfinancialchoices.com. So tonight, your financial planning fingerprint, meaning your financial planning should be unique to you. I think it's important that we talk about this. I have uh, really been excited in recent weeks working with clients toward year end. We're doing a lot of annual reviews and we really dig in and look at uh, a lot of the details of their situations uh, for especially for clients where there might be moving pieces to their financial plan. So maybe not everyone needs that all the time, but it's certainly um, something that we like to, to visit with many of our clients, their financial plan. And how I thought of this is I realized as I was working with clients, every situation is so unique, unique to them. And I thought we really need to hone in on why that's important, why it makes a difference. Um, Because you can have so many different financial planning situations. And the word that came to mind as I was preparing for the show was permutations. I had a math teacher in high school who always used uh wendy's hamburgers as an example of a permutation that you could go to wendy's and order your hamburger any which way and back then i think it was like 256 different ways you could order your hamburger because there's all these different elements that you can choose individually or put them together and it could end up with 256 different kinds of um hamburgers with toppings etc so permutation from the merriam-webster dictionary says often major or fundamental change as in character or condition based primarily on rearrangement of existent elements and i found that just you know kept coming to mind and i think it's just so relevant so important a rearrangement of existent elements and each person has different elements. So imagine the permutations that we could come up with for each person's financial situation. The results can be very different depending on how we put those together and which elements one has. Um, For example, I have people who might have all of their money, their investments in tax-deferred retirement accounts, and then there's people who don't have very much money in retirement accounts. They have it all outside of retirement accounts. I have clients with strong cash flow from pensions and social security and others with little cash flow, meaning little fixed income coming in, maybe a little bit of social security, but no pension. Those are very different situations. So we really must recognize that your financial condition is unique to you and therefore your planning should be unique to you as well. Now, that does not take away from some general financial planning concepts that are, of course, important to everyone, such as saving some part of your earnings while working. That's kind of a mantra everyone should come to know, learn, and expect, meaning when you're working, try to save while you're working because some at some point in your future, you'll need that money either for different um, stages of your life, you know, buying a car, buying a house, uh, retiring, whatever it might be. So saving obviously is is a general financial planning concept that people should understand. Controlling your debt could be a general financial planning concept. Uh, paying off credit cards, um, making sure that you're uh, putting money into a retirement account to get a company match. Um, All of these kind of general concepts can apply across the board to many of us. So where does the unique planning come into play? And does it make a difference? Um, my husband and I, you know, we we talk about financial planning concepts and, you know, our work. He's just recently retired. but he often used to talk about in his work, being tactical versus strategic, and he enjoyed the strategic much more than the tactical. And I would say I probably am the same way, although all of us have to kind of attend to some tactical tasks from time to time. So in these circumstances, I would pose that general advice would be kind of considered tactical moves. And the unique planning are the strategic moves. So I will kind of talk about the differences between what is tactical and strategic, why it makes a difference, and how paying attention to the financial planning that is unique to you uh, can make such a difference. Uh, I always call it amp and up, you know, you amp up, (laughs) Um, you know, your ability to reach your goals by paying attention to, um, coordinating some financial planning and, and, and paying attention to how things impact you, not just taking general advice always. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the difference between strategy or being strategic and tactics. So one more reminder, if you have questions, we are live tonight. The phone number is 610-758-8810. And of course, you can also use that number to call in to either renew your membership, make an extra gift, or become a new member at WDIY. We sincerely appreciate our listeners. If you have not been become a member and you're a frequent listener of your financial choices, I certainly welcome you to uh, join the rest of us who support WDIY and all the wonderful things they do. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets on the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610 868-9000. Did you know that your phone is a radio? You can tune in to WDIY anywhere on the go with WDIY's phone app. Download for free from the Apple or Google store and your phone will become your trusted radio. The easy to use app lets you listen to WDIY on your phone live and access your favorite music shows on demand. Download and share the WDIY app with your friends and family and introduce them to many choices, real voices.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 FM. We are talking about your financial planning fingerprint this evening and trying to understand what that means and why it's very important for you to understand what that means. In the meantime, we also have our 2023 fall membership drive, which you can renew your membership, add an extra gift or become a new member via that phone call where you can also ask questions. 610-758-8810. Or if you'd like to just make your donation quick and easy, you can go to the website wdiy.org or on the WDIY app and click the donate button. We sincerely appreciate your support for not just this program, your financial choices, but WDIY in general. And we also want to remind listeners that with your donations and with those uh, either extra gifts or renewals that Valley national financial advisors is partnering with WDIY and second harvest food bank to provide meals uh, for those commitments by our listeners. So we really appreciate it. It's it's just a, a triple benefit uh, for everyone, and you feel good about helping and supporting those in our community who are in need. So thank you, Valley National Financial Advisors, for that support and Second Harvest Food Bank for um, providing in our community. So thanks. Uh, again, 610-758-8810. We are talking about your financial planning fingerprint, the difference between being strategic and tactical and the differences. And I wanted to explain that uh, from my perspective, if I wanted to categorize these, I would say the general advice could be those tactical moves and the unique planning uh, for your particular situation could be those strategic moves. And that is really what determines your financial planning fingerprint. LinkedIn had an article where they talked about comparing these terms. And they say, in general, strategy is what you want to achieve, and tactics are the activities of how you plan to achieve it. And in the strategy column, they call planning, large scale, why, difficult to copy, long time frame. And in the tactics, it's doing, smaller scale, how, Easy to copy and short time frame. So that's kind of the difference. And I like in the strategy column the why and the difficult to copy. Because again, when we talk about permutations and financial planning fingerprint unique to you, um, the why and the difficult to copy really um, add to all of that because no one might have the same why as you. Uh, And that's why it could be difficult to copy. So I kind of broke down some categories of where I could compare strategy versus tactics. And, you know, high level, I said discipline, retirement, investments, taxes, leveraging experience, coordinating planning beyond investment returns. So in the disciplined um, category, we think about thinking before acting, and planning for options. So let's break that down between tactical and strategic. When we look at discipline on a tactical standpoint, it might be short-term check-ins. So we need to be disciplined. We understand that. We need to be disciplined in our financial awareness. And tactical would be maybe short-term Check ins. I'm going to check on it from time to time, my financial situation. That could be tactical. It's not really strategic. It's just checking in on things to make sure you're still on track. Now, what would be strategic in the discipline um, awareness would be thinking about your long term goals. What do we want and how do we stick to them? We have to see the goal and have a goal. Having a goal is the why. All right. So that would be the strategic column, the why, and then planning for that. And and how do we get there? These are just some simple examples. As I go through this, when I'm kind of finished with, with um, kind of giving you some general ideas, I'm going to give you some stories to demonstrate the difference of what would be unique and your, your financial planning fingerprint. So now if we look at Uh, retirement. So when we talk about retirement planning and and thinking about tactical versus strategic, well, when we think about um, retirement planning, we might be thinking, you know, that's a long-term goal and we start saving. So what would be tactical? Automatic retirement savings. It's, it's, Yes, we have a long-term goal, but in the short term, the steps we have to take, the doing, the smaller scale, the how, easy to copy, short time frame, is possibly setting up an automatic retirement savings, the set it and forget it. That is tactical, it works, and it's, it's very good. And then on the strategic side, It might be getting the full match, monitoring the retirement savings, where are we putting the money, how is it accumulating, what's the asset allocation. So that is maybe a strategic um, part of it. Now we have Rob on the phone. We have Rob from Bethlehem. Rob, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can, Laura. Hi,
1: can I help you? How can I help you?
0: I had a question about wills and trusts, I guess, um... I'm hearing, so this is more on the strategic side of things, I'm hearing from different places that, like, if my parents wanted to leave me a house in the will, you know, when things happen to them, if they should, I'm hearing that I shouldn't just leave it, they shouldn't leave it to me that way, it should be put in some kind of trust, they're revocable or irrevocable, I'm not sure what it is, is that something that you would recommend
1: I think this goes back to the kind of your financial planning fingerprint, because the circumstances could be specific to each situation. So what happens with a house, Rob, is that um, it depends on the circumstances. So I would probably say to your parents, are there more than one? Is there more than one child? Um, who is the executor? Because if you're an executor of your parents will, and you're one of several siblings and you say, I want the house. Well, there could be like a family, family argument about that. But if you really have always wanted the house, your parents always know you love it and you would appreciate it and take care of it, then they should probably write a document in such a way that they could ensure that you would have that opportunity to get that house if it, um, was to your favor so for example my own son loves our house And so we had it in the will that he would have right of first refusal. It would be part of his inheritance, meaning he would have to equalize the other children for their share. And that would mean maybe he would have to buy them out or just take that as part of his inheritance. But it's in the will that he has first dibs on that, but that we have to get two qualified appraisers to make sure that it's fair to his siblings about the value. So that's at death. That's through a will if they're going to uh, want you to have the house when they die. That's one way to do it. It could just be through the will. You could do it through a trust, but if they put the house in trust during their lifetime, that could involve some extra legal paperwork and things that they might not necessarily need to do. Um If the house was going to stay in trust for not just you, but for the other siblings, if there are other siblings, then you want to make sure that the house, if it's going to stay in trust in perpetuity, that there's who's going to pay the bills, who's going to, you know, write the checks for the real estate taxes. If they really wanted to just go to you outright, I would say there might be better ways to do it than just putting it in a trust. Um, It's very complicated. Pardon?
0: I'm sorry. I'm hearing more about like to avoid capital gains or not not to avoid, but to not have everything come on
1: Right. You know, when they
0: bought it a hundred thousand then it sells for four hundred thousand after they've passed.
1: Right. So what happens is when if they own it and control it when they die, like if it was in the in a revocable trust, R-E-V, uh, or revocable trust, meaning they can change their mind. If it's in that kind of trust, they control it when they die. It should get a step up in basis to the date of death value. Um, and then there wouldn't be capital gains on it. Um, and then if you inherit it, then it gets that step up a basis and there's no gains or losses on that. Now, some people also m- might put like a life estate on it. So they might think, to transfer it to a child and then keep a life estate, meaning they have the right to live in it while they're alive and you can't sell it from out from under them. That also gets a little bit more complicated. So there are a number of options. I would say it would probably be best to kind of talk with an attorney about what the goal is and um, how do you accomplish reaching that goal, Kind of with those parameters I, I mentioned earlier, does it make sense to do it through the will? What are the ramifications if you do it through a trust um, and equalizing other siblings? You don't want any arguments. And if you're the executor, it's a little uh, complicated if you try to buy a piece of property from the estate. So you want to make sure it's all kind of written out ahead of time.
0: Understood. All okay. Right. Thank you so much. yeah.
1: Rob, thank you for calling.
0: Of course.
1: night. Uh, thanks you too. Bye-bye. Folks, we're at our uh, second break. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. And if you would like to pledge or renew your membership or make an extra donation, you could certainly do that through 610-758-8810 or wdiy.org or wdiy app by clicking donate. We'll be back in a moment.
0: WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY
1: presents a selection of award-winning public affairs programs weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m., Listen to important conversations regarding art, science, politics, and more here in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Check our website for new topics and archive programs.
0: WDIY Public Affairs on 88.1 FM, streaming at WDIY.org, on the app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices. We are talking about your financial planning fingerprint. And as our previous caller uh, demonstrated, it is so unique, the circumstances to each person. Now, I will mention when you're working with advisors, when you're working with accountants, when you're working with attorneys, they have seen all of these cases for the most part before. Um, That is one benefit of working with a professional is that they see these situations over and over again. And what um, someone experienced in seeing multiple situations is they can offer insights into what works and what doesn't work and direction so quite often professionals obviously have to take their lead from the client as to what the goal is but at the same time they've seen things blow up they've seen things work very efficiently they've seen things you know which could have gone a different direction. One thing I really, really um, strive for is to provide options. And I think that when you work with a, you know, a professional who's had experience with some of these circumstances, they can present the options and it makes it easier to kind of um, fulfill or work toward that goal that you have. So in Rob's example, if the parents want him to have the house, for example, you just want to tread carefully when there could be other siblings involved. If it's an only child, that's not complicated. I mean, that could go through a will very easily. Where I see trust for real estate more often is when there is real estate in another state of residence. So, for example, we're residents of Pennsylvania. We have a house in Michigan. Michigan. So there's something uh, in a benefit maybe in setting up a trust to avoid what's called ancillary probate. There are advantages maybe to putting real estate in a trust if it is something that you want to keep in the family. I have clients who have a, a home that was inherited that was supposed to be kept for uh, nieces and nephews, and that's what's being done. Typically, when we have a trust that's holding real estate, we really do like to make sure that there's enough money in the trust to help fund um, paying for the real estate taxes, maintenance, you know, upkeep, um, improvements on the home over time. Usually, I like to see backdoor uh, provisions in a trust that if at some point the real estate no longer becomes feasible to continue to hold, what options do the beneficiaries have? I usually like to see maybe a majority of the beneficiaries by vote can um, elect to maybe sell the property and distribute, whatever it might be that the grantor of that trust wants the family members to uh, have or experience over a long period of time. Um, I do think that people should be cognizant of in their estate planning that you can't always plan for everything, you can plan for a lot, but you really need to give those uh, beneficiaries, particularly if this is a trust that might go on you know, for decades, you really need to give uh, beneficiaries some options. And quite often now what we see are people putting in provisions for what's called a trust protector. And sometimes that trust protector will have a little bit more, um, you know, guidance that they can provide either to the trustee and or beneficiaries in maybe adapting or adjusting uh, the provisions of the trust. So Rob, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, folks, if you do have uh, questions, we do have the lines open for questions this evening at 610-758-8810. In talking about your financial planning fingerprint, again, everyone's situation is different. And I think that um, I, I worry sometimes when people try, to. I, I appreciate do-it-yourselfers. I really do. I love when people want to educate themselves very important. I think it's critical. Um, Even when you're working with professionals, I think it's critical that you inform yourselves. It's like when you go to the hospital, they always say you have to have an advocate at the hospital because someone can't watch your patient all the time. So you really want an advocate for the patient at the hospital to kind of keep an eye on things. The same thing happens in your financial life. You have to be your own advocate. and, And you do that by trying to inform yourself educate yourself very important you might not know everything and you might not have to know everything uh, particularly if you're working with professionals but you should know enough that you recognize your financial decisions um, could be impacted by your own personal circumstances and don't always rely on general general advice. Um, So in talking uh, about strategy versus tactics, we were talking about strategy being more planning, large scale, the why, difficult to copy. When we look at that in um, kind of in a category compared to uh, tactics, which are more Uh, smaller scale and the how easy to copy when we look at on the investment realm. So a tactic might be to set up an allocation and diversification based on risk tolerance. So you take a risk tolerance of where you are right now in your life, you might be uh, aggressive. And so you go to your employer, you set up your retirement account and you allocate it aggressively. That would be Tactical part of the strategic would say, well, let's review our geography of our investments. Let's plan for our investments to have, um, you know, to to have multiple types of investments. Maybe it's not just my retirement account. Maybe I want to set up an individual account as well. Recall that when you're putting money into a retirement account, there's some handcuffs on it and you may not be able to get it out without some taxes and penalties. Whereas in my individual account, if I have investments, I can tap it if I need to. So maybe we need to do a little bit of a balance. It all depends on your goals, your long-term goals, your needs your short-term needs your long-term needs so we want to be a little bit strategic in our plans for our investments not just tactical Uh, when we come back from our halfway point I'm going to give you some highlights of a couple articles that kind of further explain this and then I'll share some stories if you have questions phone number is 610-758-8810 you can make your pledge or renew your membership or do an extra gift through that number or make a donation through wdiy.org or on the wdiy app we thank you for your support and please be part of our 2023 fall membership drive we'll be back in just a moment
0: WDIY
1: thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors,
0: offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000.
1: Welcome back, listeners, my very sophisticated WDIY listeners. If you have not already made a donation as part of our fall membership drive, we certainly welcome you to do that via the phone, 610-758-8810 or through the WDIY app or website, wdiy.org. I would love for uh, Seamus to come let us know that someone has called in and made a, a special pledge. We really appreciate it. Um, I do my giving through the United Way simply because Air Products, my husband as an Air Products retiree, um, gets a matching program when we make our donations through the United Way. And then the United Way um, makes sure that money gets to WDIY. So that is also another way to give through um, the United Way. There should be a drop-down on any um program that you use for that giving to, to mention WDIY. We certainly appreciate that. We talked about charitable giving last week and the options that one has, particularly if you're age 70 and a half or older and have an IRA, you can do qualified charitable distributions through your um, retirement accounts as well. But until then, you can always do it again through uh, WDIY.org or the uh, app. Phone number for questions this evening, 610-758-8810. We are talking about your financial planning fingerprint and making sure that you understand the power of financial planning that is unique to you. Um, I had some other examples of tactical but st- and strategic, but I think I'm going to go to these articles just to make sure that I fit in everything. I thought this was really interesting when we talk about um financial advice, I said general financial advice, I would call tactical. And um, the specific financial advice to one I would call uh, unique to you would be strategic. And this Forbes article was from March of 2023, written by John Egan, and the editor was uh, Mike Cetera. And the article was called Nearly 80 percent of young adults get financial advice from this surprising place. I'm sure it's not so surprising for most of us, and that is from social media. So a survey commissioned by Forbes Advisor and conducted by market research company Prolific found that 79 percent of members of the millennial and Gen Z generations have gotten financial advice from social media. That is not unique, that is not Fingerprint financial planning. That is general advice, in my opinion. It certainly can help. It could morph maybe into some more specific planning if one is capable of running with that. But I thought that was very interesting. And for those people who don't know what the millennial and Gen Z generations are, uh, the Gen Z generation is um, 1997 to 2012. So that's 11 to 26 year olds. So your young adults who are just Graduating from college are part of that. And the millennials are 1981 to 1996. And the range age range there is 27 to 42. I would say that the millennial generation, I would argue, just on my um, own experience, when I'm working with um, young adults, is that they saw what their parents went through uh, during the great financial crisis, and I think they're a little bit more conservative with their money. I see more of these, you know, 30-somethings talking about not wanting a mortgage. I'm thinking, wow, my parents, it was like you, you just expected to have a mortgage until you were 70. But some of these, um, uh, you know, older adults, 27 to 42, I hear them talking about not having mortgages. I hear them talking about saving more and saving for the retirement and retiring early. They have that on their plate a little sooner. They might be listening to some general advice. Now, the ones I've talked to obviously are getting specific advice to them because they're working with us as an advisor. So that, you know, can help make a difference, I suppose. But it's, it's interesting because I it's, it's kind of their makeup and it goes back to when we talk about um, uh, why, the strategy of why, why are they this way? And this plays into those long-term goals and long-term planning unique to your financial planning fingerprint. So the question in this article was, um, should you trust personal financial finance advice on social media? And there obviously is talk that you can speak to some general advice, but the reality is that individual is different and what applies to one person may not apply to another. It's kind of what we've been talking about tonight. They say that nearly seven in 10 of those surveyed encounter financial advice on social media at least once a week, and one in four stumble upon it every day. So that is, you know, keeping it fresh of mind. That could be a good thing. It it, It's making you think about it. Maybe you're more financial savvy. I think the article, if it was this one or another one I'm going to reference, talked about um, how they feel like you were more open to talk about financial situations today than perhaps maybe the um, baby boomers, you know, because parents never talked about their financial stuff in front of the kids back when. Most trusted social media site for financial information, according to this survey, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying this is what the survey indicated, that 37% felt that Reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T, Reddit, was um, trusted and YouTube, <laughs> so um, very interesting. Some of the um, comments, uh, financial advisor comments in the article, were are talking about how w- as financial advisors we're regulated and we have to be careful about what we say. But we're not so sure the people on YouTube or Reddit are actually regulated or have any credentials or experience or education behind their advice that they're giving. So you do have to be careful. So Reddit was a big one. YouTube was a big one. Um, TikTok, it's just amazing where people can get their their information. Reddit is uh, like a social media site that's more about discussion. So you kind of, I think, have to be a member, if I understand correctly. And you can set up like discussion groups and talk about things. And then the members vote on what feels like a good discussion and where it's going. So it could be a way to kind of get some crowd advice. But again, uh, I think you just have to be a little bit careful about that because there is also um, a reference that more young people are becoming the target of scams that come from social media than even elderly people. So we often think that elderly people are the ones who are getting scammed when, in fact, this article had said in a 2022 study. Study um, the Federal Trade Commission noted that among 2021 fraud reports citing the victims' age, Americans ages 20 to 29 represented 41 percent of fraud losses, compared with 18 percent for people 70 to 79. So very interesting. Just be careful where you're getting your advice, what kind of advice it is, and um, you know there there could be you know, an element of getting people comfortable and thinking they're on a secure site when in fact they might be promoting something that's not so great. Now, going back to the unique um, kind of fingerprint of financial planning, I will call it, there was another article from Smart Asset that talked about what are the benefits of working with a financial advisor. And I'm not... necessarily, I mean, I am a financial advisor, but I'm not necessarily endorsing that you have to work with a financial advisor. I'm just referencing that this article talks about the benefits. It says estimates on the return on investment from having a financial advisor vary. In 2019 white paper, Vanguard assessed an advisor's alpha or the value that a financial advisor adds to a client's portfolio to be about a 3% net return per year, depending on a client's circumstances and investments. And Morningstar also had some similar research um, that offered a a bit of a a benefit as well. One of the things they found in this um, research on smart asset was the key findings of their research said attempting to time the market is both the most common and worst investment mistake, according to advisors. So... The reason I'm mentioning this is that when we talk about tactical versus strategic, one might think they're being tactical by timing the market, when in fact that may not be a good strategic long-term, the why um, kind of uh, road to follow, okay? Some of the other key findings in uh, working with advisors – Uh, Many advisors say their tax planning services are underutilized. Um, Advisors are divided on whether clients are over or underinvested in stocks and equities. And then some investment habits and mistakes. Perspective of new clients receive financial advice from a wide range of sources, according to financial advisors. The most popular source is free financial content online from websites. And the next most popular source is previous financial advice advisors. Um, among prospective and new clients who are investing their money through self-directed accounts, financial advisors list several common mistakes. The top ones include attempting to time the market, lacking portfolio diversification, and not addressing tax implications. Um, so the uh, again, kind of going back to trying to put this all together about um, planning that is unique to you your financial planning fingerprint what do i what do i take away from that study and and the article where they're talking about common mistakes or what's underutilized is because your if if you're using general plan, financial planning advice and you're not being strategic about what is applicable to you personally, you may not be paying attention to those areas of your financial life that can make that difference. So if you're not factoring in tax planning, that could be really, really big. I'm, I have seen high net worth clients Um, I shouldn't say that, not high net worth clients, high income earners, very high income earners who are continuing to put money in Roth IRA accounts. You know, over the long term, when we're talking about strategic planning, you know, tactically, number one, they're saving. That's good. Number two, they think they're saving in a a tax-free account, which they would think would be good. But they're not realizing a tax deferral on the money they're putting into a Roth. Therefore, they're putting after-tax dollars into the Roth when they're in the highest tax bracket while they're working with that high income. If you expect that when you retire, you're not gonna have a pension perhaps, and now you're gonna have to take money out of your accounts, you might be uh, eligible to do like a Roth conversion at a lower tax rate once you're retired than while you were working. So if you're in a 35% tax bracket while you're working and you're putting money into a Roth, um, it's completely out of pocket because it's after tax. You you don't get a tax deduction on that. So that money's not working for you. And then you retire and you're now in a low tax bracket. What did you get? What did you get for that? So, you know, it it, it really... And that's just one teeny tiny little example. There there are so many different facets of financial decisions that we make every single day that you really have to kind of step back and say, am I just being tactical? Am I just relying on general advice? Because I heard someone say Roth, I say it all the time. Roth IRAs are great. I love them. They're great, but if you take that advice and don't really apply it to your personal situation, you could be shortchanging yourself in the long run and shortchanging the strategic initiatives you have for your long term goals. All right, so let's be, not, we have to be tactical, but we also have to be tactical in the scheme of our overall long term financial planning strategically personal to our own unique situations. When I come back from this last break, I'll try to give you a few stories to see if I can lay this out where it could make a real difference. And in the meantime, you can certainly call in to help with our 2023 fall membership drive at 610-758-8810 or through the WDIY app or website wdiy.org by clicking donate. We really appreciate any giving you can do, particularly during this hour of your financial choices to help us reach our fall membership drive goal. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: WDIY thanks its members and Valley National financial advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. We are in our fall membership drive. We would really love your support and commitment to the station. We would love to finish up our fall membership drive. The only way we do that is by your... Um, contributions and support of the station and to the many volunteers who work here, you know, all on their own time. So if you can't give your your time or your talent, please give us your treasure. And you can do that through the website, WDIY.org or the WDIY app by clicking donate and or calling 610-758-8810. I am a supporter of WDIY. I believe in what they do here, and I'd love that we're able to uh, bring this financial education to you through your financial choices and the sponsorship of WDIY. Valley National Financial Advisors who are also partnering with WDIY and Second Harvest Food Bank to bring meals to those in our community for, um, the folks who are contributing for the dollars that you contribute, uh, Valley National will uh, provide funding to uh, pay for some meals. So we really appreciate that. And again, you can do that through 610-758-8810 or donate online at WDIY.org. So in talking about your financial planning fingerprint, if I haven't made my my case to you already, let me see if I can give a few stories and um, just some recent things that came up. Rob's call earlier was a great example of that because we hear all the time clients saying, oh, you know, my parents are going to give the house to me. My parents are going to give the house to me. And, you know, they they might not have thought through all of the options um, and or consequences of what that might entail and how you have to be very careful of how one might do that. Um, Other questions that have come up just like in the past week, are, for example, on the estate planning realm, transfer on death. So I had um, clients that we discussed probate versus non-probate in estate planning, and that's simply the, the means by which assets pass uh, to your heirs. Probate means uh, they go through your estate, through your will, and non-probate means it does not have to go through your will because there's other ways to identify who um, who's inheriting, meaning uh, beneficiary designation or asset titling. And one of those asset titlings slash beneficiary designations could be transfer on death. So there's all the rage where people talk about, oh, let's make everything non-probate, non-probate. Well, in certain states, particularly Pennsylvania, probate's not a big deal. It's not really that complex. But we had discussed with a client adding a transfer on death designation to some assets they had. And the attorney had suggested that they don't like that idea at all. They prefer all the assets to go through the estate for various reasons. And, you know, just as a financial advisor has to understand a client's long term goals and uh, strategic planning, attorneys have to as well. And their concern was that there wouldn't be assets available if they did all beneficiary designations and transfer on death, meaning all non-probate transfers, that there wouldn't be enough assets to pay the inheritance tax in Pennsylvania and administrative expenses of the estate. So they the attorney kind of said, "Well, I don't like the TOD. I want everything to go through the estate because I think it's it's going to be easier to administrate." My question to the client was, "Does the does the attorney understand the amount of assets that you have?" And quite often attorneys will have a questionnaire and they will ask the clients, what what are your assets, what are your who are your beneficiaries, who are your heirs, that kind of thing. And they may have done that, but they may have done that some time ago. And and situations change. So if an attorney is working with clients and doing the planning, and we never go back to the attorney to, to let them know our circumstances have changed, then the um, concepts or the strategy that the attorney may be recognizing recommending or suggesting with the client may no longer apply. So you really have to, while you were tactical in doing estate planning, you need to be strategic and say our circumstances have changed if that is indeed what happened. So let's pretend, and in this circumstance, the clients indicated that the attorney might not have known what the assets were. Sometimes people are um, uh, very protective of their information and they may not want to share it, Um that could have been what happened i don't know or just years pass. people don't update you know the attorney on the assets so the attorney might not have realized because in these circumstances there were so many assets and so many different accounts um It would be very easy to do transfer on death on on certain assets that this client had. And there would still be significant amounts of um, funds available to pay the inheritance tax out of the estate and to pay the administrative expenses and funeral expenses. So my thought was the attorney might not have understood that the, the amount of assets. Okay, so again, your fingerprint is very different than the next person's fingerprint, meaning there could have been another client who, um, you know, might have had you know, an IRA going to, um, you know, an heir, a son or something, and then maybe a big bank account, but the, the will might have said, hey, I want my estate to pay all the inheritance tax. So, you know, in that circumstances, they may have wanted to make sure that there were assets that would go through the estate to pay those expenses. If, if there are no assets in the estate, uh, then the state Pennsylvania or whatever state you're living in or the federal estate uh if if those taxes would apply in those circumstances, certainly can reach through to the beneficiary to make sure those taxes are paid uh, one way or another. So that was an example of something that just came up. So we had to kind of talk through the assets, uh, what assets were passing by beneficiary designation, what assets were passing by asset titling, and or the the transfer on death designation. Had someone else ask um, about forgiving a loan. So there was a loan made to a family member, and um, they know that this family member is going to eventually inherit everything, and the family member um, is having a difficult time meeting the loan payment. Is there really a reason to continue the loan? the The loaner um, is reporting interest income on their tax return for the interest that this lo- for the amortization schedule on this loan. Uh, and maybe they don't really need to do it. If they forgive the loan, number one, they won't have to pay the tax on the interest income anymore. And number two, it would really help out the um, the person who has the loan because they may not have the cash flow. Uh, they're on difficult times to be able to meet those um, those payments. So does it make sense to just forgive the loan? Well, there are certainly other circumstances or considerations one might have to think through. Maybe they want this person to be responsible, but maybe it doesn't really matter in the big scheme. Maybe they are responsible. Maybe they just have a job that, you know, is helping and good for mankind and they're not going to be get rich on it. So maybe there is, you know, it's it's not that they can't afford the, the payoff of the loan because of... They're not working hard. It's just that maybe their job doesn't afford them to, to pay it over the over time and their circumstances had changed. So um, that is unique. That is a fingerprint planning and. What might apply to one person might not apply to uh, to another. So in that case, that loan certainly could be forgiven. And then what does that entail? Oh, it means now we've just gifted that person that payoff of that loan. Now we have to file a gift tax return. What does that mean? Well, as long as you're gifting less than the Um, lifetime exclusion, you still would have to file a gift tax return because it's more than the annual amount, but we don't have a gift tax. So we we need to kind of follow the thread through to see all of the impact of forgiving the loan or not forgiving the loan. Um, uh, Estate planning, we kind of talked about the multi-state issue that it might make sense to maybe put um, a home that's in another state in possibly a trust there's also other means to uh affect a a smooth transfer you could talk with an attorney about that typically if you have property in another state that's real estate or a business you definitely want to talk to an attorney uh familiar with that state's um you know real estate transactions or business or corporate you know um structure etc um Roth conversions. Let's talk about Roth conversions. I mentioned earlier as an example, someone who is a very high income earner tactically might say, I'm going to put money away in my retirement account. and They happen to choose a Roth and they might not have realized that over time their income was going to, go up so much and they think they're saving on a tax-free basis, I mean, uh, in in a tax-free account, the Roth, but they don't realize that they've paid tax on that money already, maybe at a rate that is much higher than they would be in their retirement years. And typically where I like to see Roth funding or Roth conversions is when one is in a lower tax bracket than they may expect to be in the future. Or you're in a low tax bracket today when you expect to be in a high tax bracket in the future. So young people, the ones who are getting their advice on, you know, social media, if you have an opportunity to save when you're in your 20s and you're in a low tax bracket because you're just starting your career and you're lower income this might be the time to fund a Roth IRA. But if you're 60 years old and you're in a 35% tax bracket, I'm not so sure I would think about funding a Roth IRA. I might look to fund... Um, the 401k on a pre-tax basis so that I save the taxes today that are you know at my highest tax rate and then hopefully when I retire uh, and I stop earning my big old wages I'll be in a lower tax bracket and I might consider doing a Roth conversion at that time. So the general advice the tactical advice or the advice one might get on social media might say hey let's fund Roth IRAs they grow income tax-free but the fingerprint you unique your financial planning fingerprint unique to you would be no one understands your circumstances as well as you do. But if you don't have the the financial knowledge or don't do enough research on your own, and let me tell you there's so many facets to all of this, um, you may not understand the consequence of those tactical decisions as part of your long-term strategic goals and strategic planning. So, um, you know, I I often, you know, have been wondering when they talk about AI and is AI going to take over and is AI going to give financial advice? It might, it might, but, um, you know, put into chat box, you know, all of your financial circumstances. When we talk going back to permutations, all of the different permutations you may have in your financial life. Um, oh, you know, I have a, a special needs child. I have a home in another state. I have uh, different beneficiaries. I have one who might want a house. So many permutations Um, that could be unique to you. You want to make sure that you're doing your financial planning fingerprint um, unique to you. Thank you, listeners, for listening tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you for our members, um, for your ongoing support. You still have time to do that through our 2023 Fall Membership Drive. We, as a new member, renewing member, or for an extra gift, you can do that through 610-758-8810 or the WDIY app or WDIY.org. By clicking um, donate online. Next week, I am talking about milestone birthdays. Important ages for planning. Very important ages for planning. Coming up next, we have Tom Drucker Miller with In the Tradition folk music. Remember, pay attention, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. Thank you, Shandi. Thank you, Seamus.